I had an amazing thing happen this week, um, and I wanted to share this good news with you because it ends up tying into what we're talking about today. Um, we're going through a refinance with our house, and for anybody who's been there, this is our first house, so our first refinance, and it's been very, very stressful. And we are, had our house appraised, and uh, very scary to get your house appraised to find out whether or not it's worth less or worth more. And after it got appraised, our uh, loan to, to value changed from 94% to 78%. And it was just an incredible thing for us to, we'd get into those little FHA loans and, you know, we had 3% down and all of a sudden it's like we can go standard, no more mortgage insurance and it's really going to change. Uh, that's been such a blessing. And sometimes when we look at the future, we don't know what's going to, to happen but sometimes it's a good thing, and, and that was a good thing for us. And God has really been, been blessing us and, and what's been going on in our lives. But um, don't know how much God has to do with appraisals for houses, but every good and, and perfect thing comes from God. That's what it says in James. So we praise him for our appraisal, and, and we are grateful to him for the gifts he's given us. So let's pray, and we'll dig into the word today. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, Every time I'm here, I'm reminded how unworthy I feel to speak for you. But I pray that you use me as, as unworthy as I am to, uh, to bring your word and to help bring a message from you to everybody here. So I pray that you speak to their hearts and that they hear what you need them to hear today out of, uh, out of what I'm attempting to say. In your name I pray. Amen. So our sermon, this is the end of a series we've been working on for the past month or so. Hope in the midst of the, this journey to hope. And uh, this final week we have is, is hope in the midst of the unknown. And for me that seemed very youth-oriented. Um, there's a lot of unknown in your future right now, right? Yeah. We were talking about this uh, in Sabbath school last week, like what's your imagining for your future what do you think and everybody has plans and we have hopes and we have dreams but it's very you don't know what's going to come right and so sometimes uh hope can be a very dangerous thing um this past week i went to uh, a tv show recording like some sitcom with a friend of mine and uh, i had never seen the show before but she really loved it and so we ended up going but we found out the day before that the show was being canceled. And so we were actually going to see the very last taping of this show. So we get there, you know, and it's funny, and, you know, we're laughing and stuff, but there's this atmosphere of just sadness. And at the very end, they came, you know, and they did their, their bows, it's their very last taping, and some of them were crying. Some of the family members up in the audience were crying, and, and these directors, who apparently the show was about their life story, like, there's this sadness. They were so excited when their show got picked up, and it seemed like everything was going to be great. You know, things are finally going their way, and then, you know, only a few episodes in, it's over. And what they thought was going to be this great thing ended up being nothing. And there's a sadness. Um, Thanksgiving was a couple days ago, and my aunt asked me to give a Thanksgiving message before the prayer, the blessing for the food. And okay, I'd love to do it. And, but she went on to say, because, you know, we have these Thanksgiving traditions. And we, 
we just don't know what, what next year is going to bring. Um, we've had a couple tragic deaths happen in our family. I think I shared one about it last time, about a nine-year-old cousin who got shot in a hunting accident unexpectedly. <laughs> and just the grief our family has gone through. And, and that whole family was there this time, and they were there as, as I'm talking about family traditions and, and the joy of being together and how wonderful it is for family to be together and important it is for us to treasure these moments because we don't know what next year will bring. We don't know if we'll be together the same way next year. Like sometimes we just want things to stay the same. We're not hoping for anything better. We just want things to stay the same when life is good and we want it to stay that way. But hope can be a dangerous thing. Um, I was driving home from work, I think it was two weeks ago you know, driving up Glacelle towards my house, and there's that split where there's, you know, orange olive uh, splits with Glacelle, you know, and so it's a really close little split there, and, and orange olive was closed off. Like, I could see five police cars there, you know, lights flashing, and everyone's trying to go around it, and so as I'm driving up Glacelle, you know, you get close enough so you can see what's going on, and, uh, and there was a bicycle in the middle of the road that had obviously been crushed, and I remember my heart dropping at that site as all the police officers are walking around, you know, and taping off the area, which means someone had, you know, died in this accident. And it struck me, I'd been thinking about this sermon, but just people just hoping, planning to be alive the next day. And sometimes that doesn't happen either. How do we hope when we don't know what the future holds? Hope can be very, very disappointing sometimes. When you guys, I remember when I was your age, and I made plans for my future, what I wanted to do, and who I wanted to marry, and where I wanted to live, all of these hopes and dreams I had, and didn't really work out the way I thought they would. And life ended up bringing me something great, an alternative, but that wasn't something I was planning on at that age. And these days, the future seems even more uncertain than it did when I was your age. With uh, My mother-in-law is convinced that the economy is going to crash any day now, and I can see what she's talking about with uh, national debt getting crazy big, and a lot of people are convinced that our, our country is heading towards socialism, you know, and, and it's true, I can see that we've been losing our freedoms slowly ever since 9-11. Our lives have changed, and, uh, and it's difficult to see that, and we have these wars that just keep on going, you know, wars that never end, and these troubles that are going around all around us, and, and we're running out of natural resources and jobs, and what's the future going to look like? I know this is getting really depressing, right? I'm sorry, I'm about ready to cry. Future can be very scary. How do we have hope when we have no clue what the future holds? So, I have an answer, I promise. It's not going to be depressing. Um, I don't have any PowerPoint today, but how many of you guys have Bibles on your phones, guys? Phones, Bibles, some Bibles in the pew. I want to see every one of you guys with a Bible here. Look behind you. There's Bibles, Bibles, Bibles. Okay. We're opening up to Philippians. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. It's a really tiny one. 
okay? So Philippians chapter 4. It's the very last chapter of Philippians. And I actually, I really love the book of Philippians. It was written to a small church, a lot like ours, full of believers who were excited about God, who were doing a lot of good work in their city, you know, and, and Paul was writing this just a letter of encouragement, you know, be happy, rejoice, God is good, thank you for all that you've done. It's a very happy, optimistic book. And in this last chapter, he's giving some practical advice. This isn't a letter written to a church that's falling apart. Now, this is a letter written to a normal church, a good church, a healthy church. But it's something that we always need to hear, advice we always need to have, that we need to listen to, because these little things, sometimes we forget. Sometimes it's, it's easy to... Uh, Lose focus, especially when things are, are going well. How do we uh, look at the future? So we're in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 6. Okay, you guys look like you all have it. So verse 6, and this was our scripture for today. Thank you, John, for, uh, for reading that for us. Don't worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything you need, always giving thanks. And God's peace, which is so great, we cannot understand it, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, my New Living Translation says, uh, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I just, I like that image, that God's peace is guarding our hearts and minds. So uh, that seems pretty easy, right? We're going to be have peace. It's just that easy. Just tell God and what we need, and we thank Him, and and that's all we need to do. And we'll have peace forever. It'll guard our hearts, and we don't have to worry about anything. And that sounds like good advice. Not always the easiest thing to do, but something to think about. Um, one of my psychology classes in in college, they teach about a principle called emotional reasoning. Has anyone heard of this? You know. You know most people. Emotional reasoning is when you are really happy, right? You just remember a lot of other happy memories, all the other times you've been happy, and it like reinforces your happiness. But when you're sad and when you're depressed or when someone's made you really angry, all of a sudden all you can think about is those sad feelings. Like when you're depressed, it's like you remember all the other times things have gone badly and you feel like it's always going to go badly because that's all you can remember. Or when you're mad at someone, you remember all the other times you've been mad at them. You know, and you just think of all the ways they disappointed you and so you get angrier, right? Your emotions tell you that what you're feeling now, you're going to keep on feeling. And we do this a lot without even thinking about it. You know, and we don't realize it's just something that happens unconsciously. And so Paul's advice, without realizing, it has to do a lot with this psychology. That no matter what you're feeling, no matter what, whether you're happy, top of the world, everything's awesome, or sad and depressed or angry and everything is horrible, take a moment. Pray about everything. Everything. I think uh, one of the other versions says, you know, don't leave anything out. Always pray. Everything. Tell God what you need. And this is interesting. In this one, it's, uh, it's not ask God what you need. You know, requesting. It's just tell him. He already knows. But tell him what's going on in your life. Tell him what you need. And then thank him for what he's already done. 
And in that exercise of telling God what we need and thanking him for what he's already done, we remind ourselves how God has provided in the past. We remind ourselves that it hasn't always been like this. We focus on, on the good things that, that have happened, the blessings we have received. This Thanksgiving is an, an awesome holiday if you think about it. A chance to think about all the good things that have happened over the past year. And sometimes it's hard, especially when things aren't going well when this time comes around. Sometimes it's easy, right? Everyone can think of things to be thankful for. Usually have at least one or two big things. But trying to do this every single day and practicing, you start realizing all of the the little blessings that come along too. You know, I, at the end of the day, I don't have to give God thanks for my appraisal. He didn't appraise the house, right? He's not the one who submitted it to the loan people. He, had, he was not involved in any of these steps physically. Why should I have to give God thanks for my appraisal? Eh, I don't, but I do <laughs> because it's a good thing that happened in my life, something that's going to change my life, and ultimately I give God thanks for that because I know he cares about me, and I know that he is happy with me <laughs> that this good thing has happened in my life. You know, and at the end of the day, I have no clue what his involvement was, but I give God thanks for every good thing that happened. Every good thing. You guys go to a fun party, give thanks for that. You eat a really good meal, you go out to eat at a restaurant, like literally, thank God for your food. We do that automatically sometimes without really thinking about what we're doing. But giving thanks for all the good things, giving thanks for best friends or for good relationships and having fun on a date, you know? We give God thanks for our families and for our homes and for our children and for every good thing. We give thanks and we remember how God has provided in the past. And, uh, and if we do that, God's peace will guard our hearts and our minds. Now in the Greek, these are you know, two different concepts, the hearts and the minds. And the heart as we know from popular love songs today, has to do with our emotions, right? Our feelings. When you talk about your heart, you're talking about what you feel. Yeah? Thank you, Rochelle. God guards your heart the way that you're feeling, and he helps your feelings when you're focusing and remembering to thank him, but he also guards your mind. Like when we have our feelings, very often our feelings, I mean, they, they result in actions, what we're actually thinking, what we're planning about the future, right? And so if we're not feeling great, that affects our plans. And sometimes we, we act out of desperation and, and without hurrying, without thinking things all the way through. But God wants to guard our minds, too. He wants to help us as we make our decisions for our lives, you know, what we're planning for our future, which he can do if we remember to thank him for what he's already done and that we want him to be involved with what's going to happen next. Because when we uh, make plans out of desperation, because we're focused on how bad things are, it tends to go awry. Um, after I got married, I, I, I wasn't working at the time, and I needed a job. we just gotten married, <laughs> com combining finances, paying for a wedding. I mean, it was bad. I needed a job, and so I just started applying for any job. Any job that's out there. I was sending my resume to everybody. Please, I just need a job right now. And so I got a job at this tax relief agency out near Newport Beach. I lasted there a month. 
it was a really bad month. Um, tax relief agencies, for you guys, uh, some people, like, they, they have to pay taxes, but they don't pay it, right? And so instead of paying it, they, like, have to pay more. It's like making late payments to the government until some people owe tens of thousands of dollars that they can't pay. And so they want relief. They want to do something so that they can get that out of the way because, I mean, you can go to jail. If you don't pay your taxes long enough, it's serious stuff. Like, they'll send you to jail for that. And so I'm answering calls, and I'm doing intakes for these people who have the saddest stories I have ever heard. Oh, my goodness. Family members dying, houses, you know, being hit by disasters, and they can't fix it, you know, losing jobs and, and getting sick and illness. And, oh, my goodness. Oh, and you guys know I'm a sensitive person, right? <laughs> you guys feel paid. I feel it with you. And so I'm talking to these people on the phone who've been in horrible situations and I can't do anything because this tax relief agency, they want your money too. Like They want you to pay them so that they can fix stuff. But if you had the money to pay them, then you could probably pay your taxes. So a lot of these people can't afford to pay, you know, the thousands of dollars you need for this company to work for you. And so I just was stuck here hearing these sad stories of people who needed help desperately but weren't getting it. And I would come home and just cry. And Jeff would be like, I love you. <laughs> Feel better. Um, and finally, I, I had to. I couldn't do it anymore. I just had to quit. I'd acted out of desperation. I wasn't seeking God first, you know, to see what he wanted me to do with a job, or I might have known this would not have been a good job for me. And shortly after, I, I got a job at a church uh, at Garden Grove, you know, where I worked for a couple of years. And, and it was a blessing just how it came together and how the job appeared. And it was a full-time job, which was a tremendous blessing at the time. And, and, uh, and I learned a lot of great things. I wasn't doing ministry there, but I learned a lot of great things at Garden Grove. And I know that God had a hand in taking me there. And if I had looked at my position and sought God and not acted out of desperation, if I had let him guard my mind and given me peace about what the future held, maybe I could have spared myself that really overall horrible experience of working at a tax relief agency. Never again. Never again. So look to God. Let his peace guard your hearts and your minds. Tell him and thank him. There's a couple big points. So this is, they're all T's, I think. Okay, so tell and thanks. Think. You got it? Come on. Tell and think. Say it. Okay. This is mostly for them. You guys can do it too. Tell and think. Okay. Thank you. You guys, you're there. You're alive. Uh, very easy points, but we're going to remember. Tell and think. That's the very first point. Step one to being able to have hope in the midst of the unknown. Tell and think. God's helped us in the past. We're telling him what he needs, and he's going to take care of us. Okay, so we're going on. You guys still have your thumb in Philippians 4, right? Okay, open it back up. <laughs> we're going on chapter, um, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Okay, that's easy. One final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me and everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so the two ways to see this, that we have to do all this good stuff and then God will be with us. 
or that we have to do all this stuff and then we realize that God is with us. Um, my kids know about this problem that I have. The serious, serious problem. My addiction with television. Yes. And this is, this is my self-medication. You know, a lot of people do a lot of different things, you know, when they have really bad days. But for me, it's television. Like, I'll go and, like, I'm worrying and I'm stressing about stuff, and so I'll just turn on the TV and I'll watch television shows. And then, you know, you stop worrying because you're not thinking about your problems, right? And it's just a distraction. And you just let go and you relax and it takes your mind off of whatever's going on. But the problem is, <laughs> when you're done watching television, you still feel as horrible as when you started. I mean, nothing's gotten better, right? And honestly, there's not a whole lot of true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable things that you see on television. And so technically, when you're done watching, you're a little worse off than when you started. <laughs> and I try to pull the good stuff out of the shows. You know, I mean, friendship, and I mean, there's good things, but it's, it's a lot of work sometimes. And, and what God is asking us to do, it seems like, oh, that sounds kind of boring. You know, what am I supposed to do, read the Bible all day? You guys are probably not going to read the Bible all day. No, I know, I know. But he's not even asking you to read the Bible all day. He's like, look at good things. You know, focus on what is good and right and pure and beautiful, you know, and that's listening to good music, not the bad music. And you know what the bad music is. <laughs> Sorry, they, they like to traumatize me with songs occasionally. <laughs> things that you hear on the radio and I'm la, 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 la. I actually have done that before. Um, but good music, you know, with positive messages, you know, or, or going to look at beautiful things. I love nature. You know, nature can remind you of God when you look at how incredible things are and how complex things are. For me, it just affirms the fact that there's a creator, you know? Focus on the good, your friendships, you know? Things that you enjoy doing that bring you joy because every good and perfect thing comes from God. Every good thing. And when you fo focus on those good things, on these pure things and lovely things and right things, it distracts you or it distracts you in a good way <laughs> from all the worries of your life. And it really does remind you that God is with you, you know? the peace of God will be with you. And, and you remember in your problems that God is present, that God is not far away, and, and by focusing on these good things, you really are focusing on God. And I need to do more of that, less of the television, and more on the focusing on things that are good and letting God calm my fears instead of just avoiding them. So we're going to keep on going. Verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know I have always been, I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Now that I was, ever, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. And I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, I've heard that verse before. How many of you guys have heard, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength? Yeah. It's one of those you have to learn in, in uh, 
in Sabbath school or in Pathfinders, if you guys had actually memorized the verses you were supposed to memorize in Pathfinders. <laughs> you guys did some. But yes, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And I had learned that verse, you know, apart from the chapter before. And I always thought about it as this big, empowering verse. You know, I can do impossible things with God, which it is. But in this context, when Paul's talking about this, it's not just about accomplishing impossible things. It's about dealing with whatever life brings you. And Paul, when he's writing this, I mean, he's not in a cushy apartment in Rome. I mean, he's in jail. You know, he's nearing the end of his life. And if anybody, you know, had a reason to be stressed about stuff, it was Paul. And yet he writes this. His situation is infinitely worse than I believe most of us will ever experience. You know, we're not getting beaten up or stoned or thrown in prison or being whipped. And and ultimately, we're not going to get killed, you know, because we can't help but preach the gospel. I mean, he had a really, really tough life, and yet, here he is. I have learned how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. And what's the secret? I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And for me, that is the key. That is the key to approaching the unknown in the future. Um, I had a conversation with my husband last night about what hope actually was. Because I feel like I kept using hope, but I was using it like faith. You know, like we have faith that, that God will work things out. So what are we actually hoping in? And the hope that we have is, you know, that things are going to get better, right? Like we hope things will be better than they are now. And faith is being certain of what we hope for. <laughs> They're tied together. But what we hope for What he's saying, we need to focus on what we're hoping is not on things, not on accomplishment or not on boyfriends or not on fancy houses or on things we're hoping to get for Christmas. I know you're putting your list together already. We hope in Christ. And when you put your hope in Christ, then God will always fulfill that. And we can have faith that God will be there for us with certainty that what we hope for will be there. We can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. We can deal with whatever the future holds. We don't know what, will, what life will be like when you graduate high school or when you graduate college, but I know with a certainty that you guys can deal with it through Christ no matter what. If you get into the very best college, the one that you really, really wanted to, or you end up at the community college, local, you know, and try to transfer into a better one, or if you don't go to college at all, not everyone goes to college, it's fine. You can do everything through Christ who gives you strength. Whether things are good or bad or in the middle, we can deal with it all. And that is what we put our hope in, because that hope will never disappoint So how can we have hope in the middle of suffering or in the middle of the unknown or in divisive politics or anything? If we have our hope, it depends on what our hope is in. And we put our hope in Christ. We've been talking about this journey to hope. And and next week we're going to arrive at hope as we enter the Advent season. And I feel like this ties in so great. And what we're putting our hope in is the coming of God right? The fact that God already came and that he's coming soon. And actually, Paul actually talks about it in this chapter. It's actually uh, verse 4. So it was the sentence before we actually started reading, verse 4. Another memory verse. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, right? And the voice after that, verse 5, is let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do and remember the Lord is coming soon. That's what my version says. Did you guys say the Lord is coming soon? Um, the Greek actually also translates to the Lord is here. It means both. It means, yes, God is coming someday. He's coming soon. But God is already here. He is with us. So as we're going through all of this stuff and we're telling God and we're thanking God and we're focusing our thoughts, you know, on things that are good, we can do that because God is here. Okay. So keyword number one is tell, tell. Two is think. Three is thoughts, right, our thoughts. Okay. And number four is through Christ. You can do all things through Christ. Christ who is here with us now. Um, were you able to get the disc? Okay. Um, I love the song that Brian sang. He's talking about if I ever needed grace now. And, uh, and I want to bookend my talk with, with grace again. Um, the song is called Farther Than Your Grace. You know, there's, there's things that we can do that'll help us experience God's peace and uh, solidify the hope that we can have in the future. Like that stuff, we, we, we need to do stuff for that. But when it comes to our salvation and when it comes to God's love, there's nothing you need to do for that. That is already yours. You know, you guys are going to make a lot of mistakes in your life. Maybe you already have. I've made mine. But if there is anything that you guys hear or learn or remember from what I say today, is that nothing, nothing you do will ever take you out of God's reach. Nothing you do will ever make him stop loving you. And on the other side, nothing you do will make him love you more. He already loves you as much as he possibly can. And with that knowledge that God is forever by your side, future is not scary. We don't know what's coming, but we don't have to be afraid because God is here and he is with us and we can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And even as our offerings are, are being collected right now, um, I ask that you continue to focus your mind on the message and, and the ultimate conclusion that through Christ that we have nothing to fear from the future and that he is and always should be the cornerstone of our life. So hopefully you know this song well and you'll sing with us as we sing Cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong, in the Savior's love.
through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Dressed in his rust are high and stormy gale. My anchor holds within the veil. I invite you to stand as we sing Cornerstone. Christ alone, Cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. He shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. Christ alone. with with Paul's prayer from Philippians 4. Now all glory to our God, our Father, forever and ever. May the grace of Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit always. Amen.